0: We're rolling. We're back. Another one from evoca Ag, Millie.
1: Yep. Here we are. Who've we got, Mill? Guy Coleman. We have. Welcome, Guy. Thanks
0: for having me. Good to be here. Guy, I'm trying to think. Well, we can talk about Guy's cooking class, which he basically just ran about 45 minutes ago. I'm trying to think when the last time was that I saw you, because I think you were maybe working up at Narrabri on the research farm.
2: Yeah, I think that's about right. It possibly would have been in 2019 in Sydney. We did the... Uh... Uh, company director's
0: course, I think. That's it. Together, is
2: that right? Yeah. Maybe. That was a drought and uh, bushfires
0: year. Yeah. And I reckon you probably took a lot more out of that than I did. That was (laughs) March of 2019.
2: Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I remember running five kilometers along the Namoi River because it was so dry.
0: There you go. (laughs) Completely empty. (laughs) Mate, you've been doing a lot. You're now living overseas. So, just temporarily back home in your home city of Perth?
2: Yeah, so I submitted the PhD on the 29th of January. So it's been a bit unemployed since, um, but heading back to Denmark to start a postdoc in sort of what I've been doing on site-specific weed control research um, at the start of May. So I've got a couple months back in the warm, sunny Perth. We'll be heading over to Sydney and probably up to Narrabri for a bit too at some point. But yeah, enjoying Denmark certainly at the moment.
0: And how, like, how long have you been living over there for?
2: I moved over in October 2022. Mm-hmm. So I've been there for yeah, a year and a just over a year couple of winters yeah enjoy it yeah lovely the, the people there are, and the research is fantastic it's really interesting it's very similar to australia in the way they in the way they work and, and research and the culture i think of course different language um but yeah just a, a fascinating experience i think just seeing how different research groups and different research environments uh, work together
0: and how did you end up there
2: Gee, it's a, it's a long story. Um, We've got time. you? Yeah. <laughs> 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 this is going to be interested. So it started, I think, I was in America in 2021 in Texas. And then the flights were cancelled because of closed borders, right, back to Australia in December. So I headed to uh, Denmark to sort of fill in a couple of months before I could come back. And that was to work with a supervisor over there. A couple of things happened at Sydney. Ended up then continuing the PhD over in Denmark from October because we had a project that was working on adaptation of weeds to... I guess, weed detection, so they can mimic the crop. And the guy in Denmark, Paul, who I met in, um, I guess I met before, but worked with for those two months after Texas, he had me back. So, it was sort of this, yeah, couple-year process, but um, October
0: 2022, that's when sort of all kicked off. God. We just know you as the robotics guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're
1: not that technical. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, Sam, who was our, I guess, our most recent guest, do you know he was a musician? Yeah. Rocker. Plays the uh, oboe, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, what are you... Like your little hidden talents that have led you down this pathway? Oh, hidden
2: talents. I, I can make a good bouquet of flowers. I oh, really enjoy doing that.
1: A bit of a florist. So we've go, just man. done a bit of a segment on flowers. Oh, really? So, yeah. It's been I really make, interesting.
2: Um, yeah, I'm not sure if that's led me to this path, but it's... Uh, <laughs>
0: no, but tell us, how did you learn to make a bouquet of flowers?
2: I think it's quite, quite pretty. And so you're out on a walk or something, I do see a nice flower. Yeah, of course, you want to pick the ones that everyone else appreciates, but yeah, there's something in your backyard or whatever. And especially one in Arabrii. And uh, living on a couple of farms, or whatever, a few different rose bushes around and put them together. And it's sort of a way of being creative, but also being involved with plants. Huh. So
1: so always a had a, a fascination for plants?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up with access. My Both my parents are pretty into like the use of the bush and sort of nature and all that. So headed down to a place southwest of Perth called Northcliffe, which is a very small town. I had a property there and Dad's a beekeeper too so uh, we would always drive around and tell me what's flowering at the moment or all the different trees that are around. We drove from actually just a couple of days ago from basically Perth to, to Esperance and through Ravensau, it was about a seven hour drive and all about, along the way he's showing me which trees are flowering or what's, why they're here and the soils and so I guess I grew up around that. I think that gave me appreciation of I guess plants and trees and especially in WA but that probably led me down to this interest in plants at least.
1: And how has that evolved to now being so involved in in weed, open source technology? Like what was the journey to actually, I guess, a bit of a passion project, a bit of a hobby, um, putting flowers together, but now you're actually dealing with this technology?
2: Yeah, uh, it's a hard one. But I think because the way I learned about technology, I mean I was always in plants and gardening and agriculture and stuff, right, in the science side of things, but not necessarily on the technology front. That was always what my brother did. Uh, So then I had to teach myself five or six years, six years ago now, to, to code and to work on robotics and all that. And so I think that process of teaching myself and learning about robotics as someone who wasn't necessarily super familiar with it, it gave me insight into all these ways people were sharing like huge amounts of research or their projects just to everyone. And it meant that I could learn, but there was a real lack of ag-specific projects out there to learn from. So I thought that that seemed like a gap so people could learn they weren't in agriculture, but they could learn about agriculture through a technical project. I think that was probably the very first idea that led to the Open Weed Locator. Um, And that's sort of why I was interested in open source ag was because I wanted to try and create that for agriculture. It wasn't like a cat detector or whatever. It's not super useful. You make a weed detector instead that has a purpose, but you can also learn
0: about Python uh, through it. So you mentioned your brother. Tell me your brother's a bit of a robotics tech guy as well.
2: Yeah. So 2005, he built a drone, which is he's ahead of his time. Yeah. He should have commercialized it. He always, I think, kicks himself a little bit. But he's got his own startup in London. So he lives in London now, but uh, works on prototyping and building electronics, like very high quality, kind of very confusing electronics for me, over there for specific companies or whoever contracts him to do it. Is it just the two
0: of you, the siblings? My sister as well. and She's a lawyer. Okay. So yeah, intelligent family. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And is she in Australia? No, she's also in London. Oh, oh my God. God. Your parents must spend their time traveling a little bit.
2: Yeah, a little bit. They, they do like coming over. So I think we have Christmases often in London and, and Denmark more than possibly Australia at this point anyway. Do you, think, do
0: you see your, like, your future
2: over in Europe? Oh, I think I see a mix of both. I think these days it's possible to be connected sort of everywhere and, and share your time between them all. There's like a lot of benefits of, of working And living in Denmark, the research environment there, the way they fund research is much more progressive or open than in Australia. In Australia, we have very much of a focus on it has to be applied, has to be outcome. You have to sell IP or something at the end of it, otherwise you won't be funded That's part of the open source side of things. Whereas in Denmark, if you pitch open source to them or if you pitch these sort of blue sky ideas, they're generally interested in doing. I mean, there's a whole range of different parts you can get funding from, but my experience so far has been they're more open about that. So I quite enjoy that difference, I think. Um, at the same time, Australia is—you can take the boy out of Perth, but you can't take Perth out of the boy. <laughs> so yeah, the boy's behind.
0: Can you talk me through that a little bit, just like I know nothing? What is open source, and what is its applications, and maybe what are some examples of it in the big wide world?
2: Well, that's why I, I had the cooking class about an hour ago. So basically, if you think about if you make a cake or if you make a Danzig biscuit, for example, you can find so many different ways to make them online or, or recipe books, right? they all come from that like base recipe that started in the I think with World War One. and what's happened is they, they put out their base recipe but there are companies that sell Anzac biscuits so anyone can make an Anzac biscuit but there's still companies that sell them and I don't often make Anzac biscuits I buy them so I'm still spending money on a product I could probably make myself uh, but there's a whole range of reasons you wouldn't necessarily do that so use that as a metaphor and, and translate it into ag why why aren't we having these base recipes for weed detection or say GPS, which is probably actually exists now a little bit more, or even like a whole range of different ag tech principles out there. Why don't we have the base recipes and then start building products on top of them and cut out all the waste of time in redeveloping those, that base, and spend it instead on developing products that are really farm-centric and more related to specific use cases. Uh, because if you ask, I guess all developers, agriculture is full of edge cases. So I think that's where open source-based recipes are so so important. And that's, I guess, how I I generally like to think about it.
0: And you talk in food recipes. Is this an influence of someone else who was like, oh, the way you're explaining it is X, Y, Z, or how did that come about? I think it came out because I was talking about pies. I think, or
1: it was pies. Yeah, it I was, think I talked to you, yeah, you talked to me about pies.
2: Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> and
1: then I ate an Anzac cookie during your speech before, you know, so it's been it's evolved. How did that happen? <laughs>
2: that's Bryce's influence. Bryce's eyes. Oh. He's a we're trying to figure it out how if I come out eating a pie or if I would maybe just give people Anzac biscuits. But yeah, that, that evolved over the past uh, few months. I think, but uh, I think it, you mentioned open source. and I feel like people's eyes just glaze over. It's not necessarily the most exciting tech, but if you relate it back to food, I feel like everyone loves food. So.
1: Yeah, and I think like it's well, speaking to all of you future young leaders that communicating the technical science and doing it in a way that people can actually understand, I think, well, I'm hugely grateful for a and the, the future young leaders program because otherwise I probably wouldn't be able to understand this open source technology. And So they've been able to do that communication. What else has the program given you? Like what else do you think has been that progression and where to next?
2: Uh, I really learned a lot from the way Bryce is. Taught us about uh, like how to present or how to develop your voice or how to create a, a structure around a story. So he showed us, and perhaps you're familiar with it. Like every story has like quite a predictable arc. You might have a sort of an introduction, and then you've got the, the build up, and the crisis, and the resolution, and then maybe something happens again, and you get this over and over again. So I think learning about that quite explicitly, and then structuring a story or a, or the way you tell something around that structure has, has been quite important. So it, I think often scientific talks lack maybe that structure. They they get just a going a laundry list, I think, as they call it, of results or different outcomes. And I think it can make be more interesting and therefore more engaging and and more useful and practical to adopt this more storytelling structure. So I think that's why I've really got out of it, I think. Yeah. And of course the self confidence, I think bit too. It's it's always challenging, I think, to get up in front of a lot of people and speak. So knowing that these sort of tricks of price has given us
0: to to get around that. So you could were you feeling confident before you walked up on stage?
2: Uh, certainly, nauseous. I wouldn't really. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say. I think you have to be confident to to get up there and do it successfully. As what Bryce said, like if you're if you're planning to fail or you consider that you will fail, then you probably will. Uh, he said it in a much more direct way than that. But beforehand, you just consider everything, all the practice you've done, all the, re- the rehearsals, and then you know that it will go okay. So, besides the, of course, the nerves are normal, perhaps on nausea, but. Getting out there, I think it just it all comes out, and all of a sudden it's done, and you're back in the
0: the waiting room,
1: and you feel good, nice and relaxed afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was there
0: a moment on stage where you actually were like, "Oh, I feel relaxed." Yeah, (laughs) and you can't say walking (laughs) (laughs) off.
2: I think I don't know. I think it's um, at the start. it was a bit of bit of chaotic confusion, but uh, I think hearing the first sort of crowd interaction with your presentation. I think when I was saying, like, I'm not a baker. My mum actually made these biscuits and did a really good job of it. And then the crowds laughed a little bit. I think then you, just, you almost break that ice between you and you and the audience. So I think at that point, I was like, all right, just sort of go out and enjoy it. Maybe add a little, few twists to the, the script that I hadn't considered before.
3: Hey, it's Nick here, sheep farmer and Rabobank Regional Client Council member. I'm passionate about supporting our local community so we can improve community well-being and build strong local economies. My job as a client council member is to help secure funding for regional grassroots initiatives. Those that support education in ag, rural health, sustainability and help bridge the country city divide. We've helped organisations like Boys to the Bush, funded school field days like Ag Vision and held succession planning workshops, just to name a few. If you have an idea to make a difference to regional Australia, go to our website at www rabobank dot com dot a u and nominate via our community fund we'd love to hear from you
0: and I guess like we've we've observed the future young leaders for for the last few years from the sidelines you had a, probably quite an interesting involvement in it as well doing it from a whole different time zone and all of that what actually going on behind the scenes and kind of what would, what did the involvement look like to you because it's not just turning up on the day and, and chatting is it no I feel like that's just um that's almost a small part of it
2: of course the most uh, public facing part but we probably began in, in November and of course got to know each other and then uh, we had a script like a very basic script written by what well, we started December and uh, along that way we're sort of learning as well through these master classes that Bryce uh, was running um, about how to tell a story or how to engage an audience or what to do what not to do during the presentation and it usually was a few hours like quite impressive for me it was quite easy because it was like 11 a.m. Uh, during the day in, in Denmark and Copenhagen Whereas for the guys here in Perth or um, over in Sydney, it was uh, like 9 p.m. So I've had meetings with Bryce at like 10 p.m. his time. while He's trying to manage his family and, and all that. So it was certainly challenging for them, I think, and almost easier for me being in a different time zone. But yeah, there's all that build-up and preparation that goes into it that results in what we've sort of heard today from, from everyone.
0: Do you have like a dream for the ag sector? Like I guess, yeah, you've talked about the open-source technology piece. Do you have something that you can really kind of tangibly see like what's possible and the influence you want to have?
2: Yeah, I'd I'd love to see it become like the machine learning industry has, because they sort of faced, I think, those similar issues back maybe fifteen, twenty years ago. And they made a conscious choice, it didn't just happen to become this open source and sharing environment. And I'm sure it's you no know, coincidence that now machine learning has just sort of rapidly growing and grown and growing. So I think there's an opportunity there in Ag. I I can see this. Because there's so many niche use cases of all sorts of technology, that if we become a much more sharing, and more open, and not so constrained by like, well, where's the IP? Like, what contracts we sign to keep this IP locked up, just in case maybe in the future it's worth something. I think that's such a damaging mindset to have in agriculture because all these good ideas they're all kept behind these sort of contracts and IP documents, sitting there in case they become useful. And I think that's so uh, sad to see, I think. But if we get around that and we get to more open source, more sharing of data, they still have profitable businesses, because that's super important. Then we can have a much more thriving, connected industry that's probably much more efficient in the way it it does things.
0: Yeah. Europe's a really interesting kind of use case at the moment with everything that's going on. Have you you seen much of the commentary around, I guess, everything? Like we've seen the rallies and things that are happening in France and Germany and, and whatnot. Are you privy to any of that where you are?
2: Uh, i mean i 've certainly talked to Danish farmers about it, and they often say they like farming with one foot in jail um, it's interesting it put yeah, it, but, right. uh, so it is, I think it is certainly more challenging over there, and there 's a lot more requirements on what farmers can do there 's not as much freedom, but at the same time like i 'm certainly not privy to what 's happening in france and, and Denmarks are probably certainly different to those other places mm-hmm. uh, By the way, Denmark has reduced, I think, pesticide usage by over 50% in the last 30 years, uh, but still increased yields over the same time. And just the way I think they think about weed control or pest management is very different to here. Uh, The common saying with Weed Smart through uh, ARI and UWA and all that is: got to kill every weed, every seed, every season, every paddock, every year, I think. Um, Which rolls off the tongue. Exactly. (laughs) Something like that. Not quite right. It's like a (laughs) chant. But it's uh, over there. It's it's more about all risk based decisions, right? So if, if if a weed isn't causing any yield loss, perhaps it's got a pollinator benefit, and so I think there's much more holistic thinking around agriculture uh, that isn't necessarily just about the crop that year. And there's there's a ton of challenges um, over there too that aren't necessarily here, and there's a ton of challenges here that aren't there. But I, I do appreciate I think that more the broader approach to thinking about certain problems. Um, but at the same time, I've I've seen a ton of innovation come out of Australia, so it's just. There are some things I think we could learn, but probably vice versa too.
3: Hmm.
0: Mate, for anyone who's not at a VOCAG and, and they're listening in kind of over the weekend, what, what would you say? What's something that maybe you've picked up in the conversations here? What are you, what are you observing at the event here this year?
2: There's Certainly, a, uh, I mean, AI's sort of kicked off everything. There's a few chats about that. There's also a buzz around agriculture. I think there's always people sort of talking about new ideas and new concepts and trialling things out. Yeah, so I think it's maturing here in out of OCAG too, I think maybe back in 2019, probably when we first went to it, there was just like a startup alley, but now I've got some scale-ups too. And I think perhaps there's that movement towards larger companies in Australian ag tech and that are moving beyond Australia, maybe more globally. So there's probably that happening too. But I'm also just looking forward to chatting to a, to a ton more people and not stressing about this presentation too much as well. <laughs> I
1: can imagine. done. <laughs> I think I'm probably, like you seem to be very open-minded about where you see things going, both in Australia, what you're seeing overseas as well. And so say we're at Avocag, we're in Brizzy in well, next year, 2025. Like what would you love to see at that event?
2: I think we'd love to see companies sharing more about how they develop things, not necessarily the like this is what how good we're doing it and this is what we do. It, it's, it's also maybe here's our code base or... Um, Maybe you can build it off it this way here's an API you can just sort of get it into your into your product uh, and I like to see more conversations not necessarily just around the the tech like AI is great but like how do we how do we sort of connect across all that technology between all these different companies or where are gaps that can be filled by another company or, or do it more efficiently in, in a way that maybe being more open with that technology might sort of invite that collaboration as opposed to having two different sort of systems yes. developed there so I think often the conversations here are very much around tech and sort of in, in silos, almost. But maybe start having those conversations across cross platforms uh, and have platforms for interoperability, but have those platforms open as opposed to necessarily closed.
0: Guy, I, I reckon. Well, I probably just want to finish by saying, hopefully, I'll see you more often than 2000 <laughs> well, or every five years. But I think probably like the thing which. And others maybe commented on it while you were chatting as well. Is like, so you're part of the future young leaders, but you are actually already a leader. And I think what impact you're going to have, and not even just in Australian agriculture, but global agriculture, and in the way that you think about things, but then also the way you're able to communicate it, is really exciting. And so I think it's been cool to know you over the last few years, but I'm just so excited to see what happens You move into your postdoc era. And Are you going to stop studying at some stage and really knuckle down or do you think you'll always continue to have, I guess, the that continual learning academia thing like the side partnered with, I guess, the on-farm involvement?
2: Yeah, look, I'll, yeah, I'll never stop learning. Whether that means I'll always stay at a university, that's to be determined. But I'll certainly try and make the open weed locator into a bit more of a, I think, a commercial product. I really want to test that. Like if you can generally make an open source company, I think in, in Australia or, or globally, yeah, that'd be a great thing, thing to test. Um, so yeah, we'll see. To be determined, but always learning.
0: And so throwing it out there, I guess in the, in the humans of ag community, like if there's something which was going to help you around the commercialization of open Weed Locator, the owl, Millie, will make an owl noise here soon. <laughs> That's <a> in <kitchen. laughs> Well, like what would be something that would actually benefit you? And maybe, yeah, you could throw out to our platform, the types of people you want to talk to or something that you're, curious about right now
2: i think there's probably three three groups of people i think the first is certainly farmers and people with access to build these and test them. I mean, that's how they really get yeah, tried and true testing in the field um so if you're interested always happy to sort of walk you through the process or sort of help you on that path then there's developers so uh, people who might have spare time or to contribute to sort of the our community and, and check over the code because, i mean i taught myself to code i'm no computer scientist so there's probably heaps of hacks in there that aren't very um very nice and then there's I think investors I'd love to just chat and sort of get your opinions I think on how open source development might work I mean now of course is one use case but more broadly like what they think about an open source company in agriculture and how that might work I think I'd just love to hear their perspectives on either why they don't do it already because data sets are often valued as just this and that's your differentiation that's your mode. But what happens if you publish that data or What happens then? How could you differentiate yourself? I'd love to chat to them about that and of course if they're interested in sort of funding some of this development, that'd be fantastic. But just I think to guide some of my thinking around how you'd make this a broader, a broader concept.
1: I think, Guy, what I'd say is like unique about like your approach and obviously it relates to that. We've used the word open so much, but you're so open-minded too. There's ways that we can continue refining and improving and, yeah, I just want to say good luck because you said when we first met that I, I think you said Australian agriculture has my heart or, or something like that. So we're stoked to see that, yeah, you've got that dedication and ongoing commitment. So good luck and thanks for coming on the Humans of Ag podcast.
2: You guys are too kind. Thanks for
0: having me. Cheers. Go get them. Go <laughs> <laughs> get them. <laughs>
1: How's that for (laughs) (laughs) rev-up? Thanks, mate.
0: Well, that's it for another episode from us here at Humans of Agriculture. We hope you're enjoying these podcasts and, well, if you're not, let us know. Hit us up at hello at humansofagriculture.com. Get in touch with any guest recommendations, topics or things you'd like us to talk and get curious about. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Rate, subscribe, review it any feedback is absolutely awesome and we really do welcome it so look after yourselves stay safe stay sane we'll see you next time see ya